welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm Mary Mansvin, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Seligson. Dan, this is an episode we have wanted to do forever, and it is finally time. Baruch Hashem. Hey, bud. God is indeed great. This is a joyous day at the Vibe of the Tribe. I had this idea of rattling off a bunch of marijuana puns because I figured I'd say, hi, then bowl you over with some real groaners and really shake up the joint. However, I don't think it's going to survive editing. So let me just say, hello, Miriam. I am taking this issue very seriously, indeed. In fact, let me get historical on you. Do it up. Massachusetts voters, as you well know, Miriam, legalized medical marijuana in the 2012 election by an overwhelming margin. Four years later... We voted again, this time to legalize recreational cannabis sales. And last July, it became legal to sell it to adults over the age of 21. And it was high time for that to happen. Dan, I am totally picking up what you're saying. But what does this mean for the Jews? How does this affect the vibe of our tribe? To talk about that, we are excited to welcome Rabbi Baruch Halevi, a.k.a. Rabbi B, to the podcast. He's a social entrepreneur, spiritual guide, and cannabis pioneer. He's the director of corporate social responsibility for one cannabis group. Rabbi B's insights into Judaism and experience having co-founded multiple cannabis companies make him a unique guest on the Vibe of the Tribe. We are thrilled to have him join us on the phone today to talk about the Jewish history with and connection to cannabis. Rabbi B, welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe. Thanks, Mary. I'm glad to be here. So you are a self-described cannabis pioneer. What does that term mean to you, and how did you first get started in this work? Well, you know, it's one of those industries where it's not hard to be a pioneer since everybody involved is actually technically a pioneer, at least in the legalized cannabis industry. Um, but I am uh, a veteran in this industry, which also, you know, kind of, uh, isn't hard to do if you've been in it for a few years. So to answer your question, uh, I got involved with it by accident. Didn't was definitely was not by design. I gave a sermon when I was still a pulpit rabbi in Swampscott, Massachusetts, at Congregation Shirat Hayam. Uh, I had just gotten back from uh, emergency solidarity mission to Israel, and it was during Operation Protective Edge. And mm-hmm. I came back and gave a pretty, I think, rousing talk on Yom Kippur. It's on my website. It's called Monsters Under the Bed, about um, fighting the BDS movement uh, and the, the haters uh, of Israel in proactive ways, in visionary ways, and in far more inspiring ways than I heard at the time. You know, shouting back and forth wasn't, uh, the, I think, op- uh, the best way to combat the BDS movement. Somebody heard me, a congregate of mine, and said he had a license to grow marijuana in Massachusetts. And I said, great, let's uh, figure this out. And we did. And I started to do my research, finding that Israel is the birthplace of cannabis, medical cannabis. Um, most of the R&D had been coming from there at the time. And so we established a, a cannabis company. And I'm happy to elaborate on that. But right there in Boston, actually technically Cambridge and Needham. Um, called Sierra, now called Sierra Naturals, S-I-R-A Naturals. And that was really the outgrowth of this. And the goal was to utilize this as a, as a educational platform to teach people about Israel, uh, medical cannabis and the startup nation, the cannabis nation. And then also leverage some of those profits that we were going to make and 
reinvest them in Israel, but, you know, divestment, we wanted to combat it with investment. So investing in cannabis R&D, and that was the original intention. So speaking of profit, and I just did a pun there, (laughs) um, what do the Torah, Talmud, and Jewish sages throughout history tell us, if anything, about cannabis and Judaism? I've read stuff on the internet, and frankly, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably the first thing I had to grapple with, obviously being a rabbi and venturing into this uh, uncharted territory of cannabis. Um, you know, to answer your question, Dan, I, I found great strength, and I wouldn't be involved with it if I didn't find the strength of our tradition, uh, a long tradition that um, made me feel like I wasn't fully venturing into the unknown. If you, you know, just at a, as we say, pshat, as a simple reading of the of the Torah, um, it's quite clear in black and white that all plants are available for our use, our consumption, our benefit. Um, Genesis, I don't have it in front of me, 129, I believe it is, talks about um, utilizing all fruit-bearing, seed-bearing plants. And so this is one of them. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a, a biblical scholar to see that it's, it's heck-shared, it's, it's uh, sanctioned right there in the Bible. It doesn't end there. Um, if you look in the book of Exodus, it talks about the bismin, the uh, incense used at the Beit HaMikdash at the temple. And one of those uh, mentioned is called Kinevosim. And Kinevosim is um, argued what it is, but you know, oftentimes it's translated as, I think, sweet cane and myrtle and all these other attempts to understand what it is. And then you look at scholars uh, some well-known scholars who say it's not a stretch to say cannot both them cannot this it is cannabis it's been growing in the middle east but like everywhere else in the world that's why they call it a weed it's resilient it's there not stretched to think that it was part and parcel of that region and it was utilized in all kinds of uh, ways and purposes one of which quite possibly i would say probably was the sacrificial system And it's also mentioned in the Talmud in various places about utilizing its hemp cannabis um, as more of a, you know, utility purpose, like for Shabbos candles and clothing and whatnot. So there's a long tradition of cannabis being a part of our of our history. So given that insight and that that's absolutely fascinating, how does one consume cannabis Jewishly? <laughs> and not necessarily um, consume as in eat, but use. Like for example, in whatever way one would right, consume it. Right. For example, we're coming up right now on the holiday of Sukkot when we're going to be releasing this episode during Sukkot. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a bit uh, in the Talmud perhaps that talks about using uh, cannabis as the cover for your sukkah? Yeah, you know, so again, there are there are numerous sources utilizing cannabis. And most people, you know, when you say using cannabis, I mean, you know, Miriam, you, you know, caught it. It's not just consumption, and that is certainly one, and we should talk about it, but it's utilizing the benefits of this plant, and it's got tremendous benefits, as we're starting to learn about. And, um, yeah, one of them is, um, you know, the physical benefits, utilizing it for the prach, the the top of your of your sukkah. I guess at a deeper level, you know, when, when somebody says to me, um, coming back to your question, Dan, how do you use it Jewishly? You know, I, to me, that's a value proposition. And really, that's I spend my time not promoting cannabis use simply recreationally, though I don't see an issue with it, if done responsibly. And, and I think that, you know, Jews are disproportionately represented in the cannabis industry. I don't have statistics. I want them. I don't have them. I'm guessing, you know, you're talking 
10, even 20% of certain aspects of this industry are Jewish, certainly on the investment side and, and um, the business side of it. And one of the reasons is because Judaism is very liberal when it comes to things like plants or grains, and those grains can be turned into beer, those grapes can be turned into alcohol, uh, the plant can be turned into cannabis. It is a, it's a re- liberal religion in the sense that we don't see the plant or the grains or the grapes as good or bad. They're just grapes or grains or a plant. What you do with them determines its morality. It's amoral. And so the Jewish way to utilize cannabis is from a moral perspective, a value-based perspective. And, and that's really the message that I want to get across to people, that I do believe Judaism has a lot to say about everything in life. Certainly, this is a major now part of life, and we should uh, impart those Jewish values onto this plant. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit more. You touched upon the fact that there is, you know, Judaism has a great deal of focus on health, right, on medicinal use. Um, and, and so there's like a, a pretty uh, interesting movement of people sort of embracing marijuana as a for the health benefit. So what is your take, though, on differences in the Jewish perspective on medicinal versus recreational use? Yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to find most anybody today, uh, Jewish scholars or you know, authority figures who wouldn't sanction of cannabis for medical purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you go to Israel and I was living there and working there in the cannabis R&D scene and it's pretty staggering. You know, I went to Hadassah Hospital where they had a cannabis clinic and, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting world we live in where I was there right before Passover and you had all these Haredi uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews lined up to get mm-hmm. their kosher Lepesach cannabis, their kosher for Passover cannabis um, they wanted to make sure there was no chametz, no bread products Amazing. in it, uh, and, the, and the edibles. And I'm sitting here in Hadassah. And by the way, they were talking to a secular Israeli girl with tattoos, giving them their cannabis at Hadassah Hospital. You know, the the uh, the embodiment of I mean, Hadassah of kind of conservative, older generation Jewish values. And you have this all this confluence coming together. And I'm just sitting there scratching my head. This is amazing. Right? This is a modern miracle. So. So, you know, medical cannabis is here to stay. I mean, everybody that I've met at least in the year 2019 says, yeah, it can be justified on that basis. Where you get into debates and disputes is, you know, recreational adult use. And, um, you know, I have certainly have some thoughts on that. I've already addressed it, but happy to talk more on that. I'm um, interesting about that point of medical versus medicinal. I, I've always thought about the issue as, you know, if if cannabis has as many benefits as it's touted to have. Could anyone using cannabis say that this is giving me some benefit? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, and you really, you nailed it, uh, Dan, medicinal versus medical. It's not medical cannabis. Why? Because the doctor can't tell you, okay, you know, Dan, take, you know, this type of cannabis for this particular ailment in this dosage through this vehicle, right? It doesn't exist yet because we're hand-tied. We haven't... Um, had the ability to research this properly, which it needs to be to become medical. So therefore it's medicinal and it's anecdotal and it's still, you know, got some great research out there, but it's not yet to the level of medical Uh, until it is. It's hard to take it seriously. I, you know, have a hard time recommending it to people for particular ailments because it's a crapshoot, different markets, different strains, different 
um, brands offer different things. So it's kind of the wild west right now, and it is medicinal, but there's a lot of at least anecdotal evidence to show that this can be beneficial. You know, who using it, what, how much, don't know. It's hard to say what's medical versus what's medicinal at this point. So on a related note, are there misconceptions about cannabis that you've come across in the Jewish community specifically? Well, in the community in general, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm a rabbi. I um, you know, didn't come from this because I'm passionate so much about the, the plant. Uh, I've come to respect the plant. And I've also had my own misconceptions, you know, uh, set a, had to set them aside. And, and it's been an educational process for me. People that I meet that I work with in this industry, you know, they're not sure what you imagine to be, you know, stoners, that they're just kind of using this for simple fun and an escape. I mean, these are serious people. And at our dispensaries uh, with uh, One Cannabis, we just uh, rebranded as Unity Road. Our, our, our dispensaries, you go in there, you see all kinds of people from all walks of life. So it's been real eye-opening to me to see serious people utilizing this for, for serious purposes. In the Jewish community, I don't think it's uh, any different than the community at large. I would say Jews tend to be more, like I said before, more liberal on these topics. I think the biggest challenge for me has been to navigate the Christian, the evangelical world. There are a lot more uh, stigmas and hang-ups around cannabis in that world than I've experienced in the Jewish world. Uh, something that you've talked about is wanting to raise the cannabis industry's ethical standards. And yeah. what does that mean and look like to you? Yeah, I call it conscious cannabis, um, kind of playing off of conscious capitalism. We can define capital. I One of the reasons why I left the rabbinate, and I, I loved it, and I loved my time serving as a congregational rabbi, but I do want to write a book someday called Not for Profits, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. Um, be, I already used because, that one once. <laughs> there you go. Well, I didn't coin it, but I like it. Um, because I, I want to make an impact in the world, and I don't really care how the vehicle that that impact takes. And I found my hands tied in the nonprofit world. Uh, I had originally brought this cannabis idea to the congregation uh, to start a dispensary, and they thought it was nuts. And, you know, in retrospect, I probably sounded nuts. But uh, I was right uh, because, you know, time has validated that this is a viable uh, industry and business. And the bottom line is this is an industry with with the ability to have a conscience, and we can utilize the profits from this plant um, to do good in the world. You know, this is an industry that's been kept alive by idealistic people, by advocates. Um, and again, not just stoners, not just potheads, but people who care about social justice. Yeah. This is a big issue in this industry. And this is my area of kind of uh, focus is social justice. This is an industry that's been built on the back of people of color. Uh, the war on drugs now, we, we know uh, without a doubt, has been really a war on people, particularly black and brown, Hispanic and African-American communities. They're disproportionately represented in prison. They were targeted for the past four decades. And now they're left out of the legalized cannabis conversation. 90 plus percent of cannabis industry is owned by white men. And over 80% of those in prison for cannabis are uh, people of color. And so, you know, we can raise the bar. We can bring them into the fold. We can expunge, uh, pardon them and expunge them from prison. That's what, you know, I talk about raising the bar of, of ethical uh, standards in this industry because uh, it's an industry that deeply needs uh, these conversations. Yes. Um, so we've recently seen 
a trend of embracing cannabis culture among some religious Jews because of its uh, medicinal properties, as we've talked about. You, you spoke a little bit about uh, your time in Israel and how you witnessed the sort of medical field there and how they deal with this. Can you tell us about any new trends in this field and about the origins of this research, this very important research in Israel? Yeah, I mean, I, I made Aliyah. I lived in Israel for about five years. I loved it. I was um, exploring cannabis research there. I'm not, I'm no expert, but, um, you know, it, most people don't know, even Jews don't know that Medical cannabis was uh, born in 1964 at Hebrew University by Professor Raphael Meshulam, who discovered THC and separated it in CBD, and that began the uh, cannabinoids, and CBD being the most well-known, but now mm -hmm. we have CBN and all kinds of others. And this is all coming from, uh, from Israel, at least the original research. Federal um, research has not been able to be done here in America, and so uh, Israel took the lead on it, thanks to Professor Meshulam over 50 years ago at this point, and they continue to lead the way. You know, the, the, the next step, the trends are for a refined product. You know, it's no longer just walking into a dispensary and buying weed. Now it's buying different strains that yeah. are being matched to different ailments. And again, like I said before, until it reaches that level, where if I have migraines, I know that this strain helps this particular ailment with this kind of dosage, it's, it's only medicinal, it's anecdotal, but uh, Israel's paving the way to get to that place where you can match ailments and issues with strains, but not, not just medical, right? If you want to have a mood type of experience, you want to feel mellow or you want to go to sleep, right? Then you can be able to take this or that. I don't know what to take for me to go to sleep at night. Um, nothing really seems to help. And until they can tell me, you know, take this much at this quantity, this uh, strain, I don't fully trust it as medicine. Um, and we need to get to that next point and Israel's leading the way. Yeah, here in America, we only have anecdotal uh, research on leafly.com. <laughs> but it sounds yeah. like in Israel, they have a lot more advanced research on this. So, so They are now. It's uh, becoming even more sophisticated. It's, uh, it's an amazing plant. And we're only just at the surface of figuring out what it does. So speaking of the United States, 33 states and Washington, D.C. allow people to obtain a license for medicinal marijuana. Ten states allow any adult to buy it. But the stigma, my God, there's a stigma. How long do you think it will take for this to go away? It's been around for 70, 80 years. When will pot be as common as Bud Light? Can we talk to our kids or Miriam, in your case, our <laughs> pets about pot without feeling weird? Well, look, I'm a... A uh, longtime congregational rabbi who now is a cannabinoid. This is my third venture in cannabis. And I spend my days and nights now educating people about cannabis and advocating for it. So I'm right there. And I get it. I had to explain to my kids, you know, Abba is no longer going to be a pulpit rabbi. Now I'm going to be uh, in the cannabis industry. That was a conversation. Although kind of uh, cool. Pretty cool. You know, my teenagers think it's cool. And I try yeah. and kind of con convince, convey to them that, it's not just about being cool. It's also about all these other things. It's not just about getting high. It's about social advocacy and justice yeah. and medicine and environment and whatever. But to Dan, to your question, I mean, that's the point, right? We have to um, reframe the conversation because most people think, ah, cannabis, weed, pot, getting high. But I spend, again, my days and nights talking to people about how it's good for the environment, community betterment, you know, where we're working to take a percentage of our profits and get other 
industry players take a percentage of their profits to fund community betterment projects so that we can uh, repair some of the, the damage that's been done in the communities impacted by the war on drugs. To me, that's a cool conversation. And that changes the uh, image and gets rid of the stigmas and brings it into, I think, uh, the mainstream. It's fascinating in, in Massachusetts, this slow creep to the point where you can get CBD products at a pet store, Whole Foods, Bed Bath & Beyond. In the mall. It's everywhere. everywhere. It's everywhere. It is. And it's a challenge because, you know, not all CBD is the same and not all of it is legitimate. And until we have it federally rescheduled and have standards like the FDA has with food, right, we don't know what's in it. And in fact, it actually does harm to the image of cannabis when people are using stuff that's either, you know, uh, ineffective because it's actually made in China and it doesn't have the proper amounts of CBD or any CBD they've found. Um, or some of the stuff is, is not so good. And so, um, you know, we have a concern in the cannabis industry that we make sure we have standards just like in every other industry to hold us to a higher quality so that we can really build the, the, the brand and the message of cannabis in the right way. Amazing. Well, Rabbi B, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and walking us through this truly fascinating topic. Thank you for having the courage to take on. I know a topic that's still controversial, and um, I believe that these types of conversations are going to change the image of cannabis and bring it to the world so we can do a lot more good. The power of this plant is truly remarkable. Amen. For our listeners out there, check out the show notes for more information about Rabbi Baruch Halevi and his work and about the Jewish Cannabis Connection. Remember to follow at Jewish Boston on social media and subscribe to the Vibe of the Tribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. You can also email us at podcasts at jewishboston.com with your comments, feedback, and ideas for future topics and guests. Thanks as always to our editor, Jesse, and our composer, Ryan, and to the Israeli researchers who identified THC and CBD. You truly did God's work. THC, you next time. Four years later, we voted again, this time to legalize recreational recreational cannabis. (laughs) Jesse Dan is not high. I'm going to go. Four years later, we voted again. This time to legalize recreationable. Why do I keep saying recreationable? I'm just going to say the word pot. Jesse, it's pot, damn it. That's what my dad calls it. But it's Actually, still recreational. It, my dad calls it grass. Oh, that's yeah, what cute. If it's medical, it's medical. Son, I know you're smoking grass. It's, it's, you have to say recreational, Fuck. Dan. Can you that, say okay. it? Try it. Try let, me, let me get through this my own special okay. way.